right, you guys. Um, this is Run That Ish Back. This is a special edition. Um, this episode, me and my girl, Therese, will be talking about Malcolm and Marie. Um, this is a very much so raw, unedited conversation. We haven't taken any notes. We haven't really talked about like this film outside of this. It's literally just been me texting Therese this morning, like, hey, girl, are you up? <laughs> because I knew <laughs> he was the one that I wanted to have this conversation with because um, her lens when it comes uh, to Black cinema, when it comes to her producing, I was like, this is the person I want to have the conversation with. And I think a lot of comments that I saw on Instagram and even reviews that I read were kind of triggering. I was like, well, let me just shed like my opinion of the film. Um, and yeah, so that's what we're going to be doing today. Here's my girl, Therese. She's here with me. Hi, everybody. Yeah, Malcolm and Marie, Eminem. <sighs> what a weekend. Everyone is talking about Malcolm and Marie. Yeah. So um, what's your take on it so far? So um, it came out Friday. Friday, I was listening to the podcast, Okay, Now Listen, with Scotty Beam and Sylvia O, and they had their first episode with Zendaya. So I think what I had... a understanding of what it was going to be like one night an argument and the argument was really based on Marie feeling like she didn't get thanks or recognition from Malcolm. Um, Zendaya really talked about how the film came to be, you know, how the writing and the filming process came. I don't think the interview really prepared me for what I was about to see. Like it gave me an idea, but seeing the film, I was like, oh, this is a hundred. I mean, I was like, this is an hour and 40 minutes. And like most of the times throughout it, I had to pause because yeah, it could have been, you know, it could have been a cool hour 10. It could yeah. have been a cool hour 10. I was like, we didn't need more than an hour and 20 because yeah. an hour and 40, I was just like, oh, we, it's more like you can go from this to another level. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. I was just like, oh, this is a lot. And like, I sat and watched it with two friends and like most of the times, like we were yelling at the TV and like most of the times it was like, what the fuck moments for me? I was like, ain't no way. I was like, did he just say that? Did she say that? It was just a lot of like, whoa. Um, and I think it was triggering for me because I was just like, oh, this is a very traumatic relationship. They don't need to be with each other. And it was also a situation where like throughout the movie, I was trying to determine like whose side I was on. Am I on Malcolm's side? Am I on Marie's side? And then when I picked a side, like really thinking about why the other person was acting the way that they were, it was a lot of dissecting to be happening while still watching the movie. Um, I don't think I fully dissected after like seeing it, but I don't desire to see it again. Um, and it's not because I don't think it, I feel as though it looks beautiful, but it was also like a lot. It weighed on you and it weighed on you, weighed on me in a way where I was like, I haven't experienced this before, but it also made me realize that sometimes film and TV shed a light on things that people are really dealing with in reality. And I was like, I could only imagine someone that has actually had to experience this every day. And how they're able to like get up and be like, oh, let me try it again. So yeah, it was a lot. Um, but what I can say, despite like the words, I can say like the monologues, because it came across very much as a monologue. Some of them were really powerful. Like Zendaya's monologue at the end. I was like, yes. Yeah. She don't need the, she knows that you love her. She doesn't need an apology. All she needs is for you to recognize the role that she played and like how you need to recognize that. Um, and I was just like, y'all know I always talk about Morehouse Man. I was like, did he go with this Morehouse Man confidence? I was like, could not see anything outside of himself. <laughs> like, I don't need to thank you. This is all my original ideas. And I, I think what stood out to me, I was like, there you go again, like in the film, a man profiting off the suffering of a woman. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, that, <laughs> it's, um, she read his ass. That's pretty much pretty, like, that was like my favorite part. But um, one thing that stuck out to me, another young lady said this, and it kind of looked, um, had me look into it added a different way because it was filmed in black and white. And as a, as a filmmaker and a, a person who went to film school, we understand why we, you know, certain people have the black and white. It really focuses on the tonation of the emotions of the audience. So that's, that's the main reason why. Um, I think that when it comes to um, that last part and why I really like the last rebuttal that Marie made is because um, it really helped me understand that it kind of came across, that monologue came across like 
this is something that she was saying to herself as well, to me. It kind of came across like that. And even the monologue when um, Malcolm was talking about the critics, like that was a long, very long, like <laughs> a long monologue. And it, to me, I kind of felt like the stuff that he was saying is stuff that he would say to the mirror to himself and he agreed with, but he was still venting. And, that, and that's what black and white films does. But at the same time with, um, during that part with Malcolm, I felt like that was all Sam. Like that, I really felt like that was Sam and Malcolm. Like this is what he said. And what I heard too um, is that Sam actually got into it with a critic in real life. So I think that he used this as if, you know, this is what I truly want to say. You know what I'm saying? And it's just kind of like, and, and again, he mentioned Barry Jenkins. Like, how can Barry Jenkins be uh, not be gay and make a movie about Moonlight uh, gay? A lot of digs. And it was like digs and spaces that did not yeah. even And I'm just thinking like, okay, this is not your space. And that's where a lot of people come in at. Like, this is a white man saying it's about this during this time, and it's not your space. Mm -hmm. um, overall, I think that, you know, the movie was good. It was okay and okay to good. You know what I'm saying? I think that, you know, when it comes to Zendaya, I like her. I think that she missed the mark with trying to really um, translate or relay what she really wants. Now, in the movie, I don't think that her age really mattered. To me, as I watched it, I did take away my technical, I had to step out and compartmentalize what I felt like, okay, I can take this technical aspect of what I know and use another lens and say, I did not think about the age too much until she mentioned she was, you know, the 20 year old part. Um, I just think that as a white writer writing something like this, I think that he just kind of lost the mark. If, if Zendaya and John, and I think someone kept saying Kid Cudi, um, they should have also their credit as well as a writer because he has his whole writer credit and I'm just like, okay. But I think that you just lost the mark. You know what I'm saying? And they spent $30 million. It took $2.5 million to make. $30 and that's another point that we talked about as well because I'm like, if it took 30, no, that it, it, it made 30 million. No, Netflix gave them 30 million. I'm sorry. Okay. Netflix gave them 30 million. It took 2.5 to make. So we were all like this, like, do you think that a, a black director and a black writer would have got 30 million? I was like, that's a lot of money. Mara did ask for that amount just to do girlfriends. Exactly. We were like, that would have never happened in Hollywood. So it's just like, we are looking at it in a totally different lens, you know? So it's just kind of like, it's just, this one girl was just saying like, I, uh, it's pretty much blackface. Yeah. <laughs> it's like blackface. This is all Sam and what these writers in Hollywood do, the writers and filmmakers in Hollywood do, and, and dating these young women half their age so it's just kind of like I wanted to look at it in a different lens and I did but I did pick up other good aspects of the film the cinematography was great the shots of the bedroom were my favorite um and the soundtrack was fire I'm gonna admit that that was everything and so you know they have it now on Spotify someone posted it today and I saved it <laughs> I was like oh this is the music I was like oh the music is on point and I think what I appreciate about it is that the music kind of gave you a prelude of what's about to happen next. It right. kind of prepared you for like what was going to happen next. But mm -hmm. I think like there was no preparation for a lot of Malcolm's like statements. I think what stood out to me is how Marie was like, oh, Malcolm, you go out into the world and you know, you compromise for all these people, kind of like you lessen yourself for the people that you work with. But when you come home, you can't do that for me. And what it reminded me of is when Nikki Giovanni was doing an interview with James Baldwin and she was like, don't lie to me. If you really love me, you wouldn't lie to me. And right. it reminded me of like how in many ways, and I hate to say this just about black men, but I don't have any other. How you treat, me. treat me how you treat me when you're not with me. Yeah. So I think it's a situation where like, I don't have any other lens of like what people do in white relationships. I'm black and I've only been with black men. Um, so it's just a situation where it's just like, 
when you go out into the world, you treat them nice. You, you modify yourself. You exist in this way that you're smaller than them. But when you come home, the woman has to like bear the burden of all of that from the day. Like you, I have to bear the burden of you feeling like you had to lessen yourself. I have to bear the burden of like putting on all of your weight. And I felt in a lot that Marie had no problem doing that, but she wanted recognition for it. And I think what Malcolm kept missing is that he was like, oh, so you want me to thank you for this and that? And it's like, no, nigga, that's not what I want. But I want you to realize that like these things that I do help you move freely in what you want to do. And I think like he just wasn't getting that. Um, because yeah, I think what he was thinking about was like, oh, I did all this for you. And when it came out with like her drug pass, I was like, oh, this is not the shit that you say back to somebody because you decided to say, I was going to be a drug addict with you there or without you there. So you decided to stay. So like, you don't get no pats on the back for like doing this. And then you turn around and make a film about my life and you don't, but you need to thank me. You should sue him because this is money. This is intellectual property. Sue his ass. <laughs> hey, get your money, girl. And talk about, you know, not taking sides. I'm with, I'm with, I'm with Marie. Cause she said, I changed my mind. And I said, yes. Yes. You have a problem. You how can you just I just did? Like that's I what you can do. <laughs> yes. That's what women do. I changed my mind. Mine. <laughs> so yeah, I'm gonna change my mind. But I'm going to just circle it back around because even though throughout the movie I left, I still was thinking about the mac and cheese. <laughs> I ain't going to lie to you. I didn't know what she was going to make. But then when she pulled out that craft, I was like, what grown ass man after a movie premiere wants some box mac and cheese? Now, okay. I just learned how to make some real box mac and cheese. Make her Sam, Sam Levinson. Because exactly. ain't, no, <laughs> ain't, ain't no black man eating no craft mac and cheese in 2020. Not Velveeta, but Kraft. Kraft. 2021, girl. Not without the bacon bits, but just regular Kraft. And I was just like, I thought she was about to cook something really good, the way she was throwing a little salt in the water. And I was like, oh, she's eating mac and cheese. But then he ate it like it was the last supper. The last supper. I was just like, nah, that's not how it goes. That's the type of meals that you make in college when you have no other choice, not when you have the money to get the meals that you want. Exactly. Like, you might as well just made a salad. Come on now. Or why didn't you pick up food before you got home? <laughs> I, it just didn't make any sense to me. It's just, but I can say from the very beginning, I was like, oh, she's agitated about something. Yeah, she I is. I was like, I think in a lot of spaces, I was like, maybe she's tired of hearing him take up so much space. Because like he was ranting about the review, like the, uh, the credit before it even happened. And I was like, oh, she's done with his ass. And I said, oh, she's been listening too long and now she don't want to listen no more. I knew from her disposition, the way she was smoking that cigarette, I said, oh, she about to set this shit off. <laughs> yes. Especially when she, when he was trying to go down on her, she was just like, you want salted or unsalted? <laughs> she was just like, oh, no, this is not what I want. This is not <laughs> what I need. Um, but, like, not even to get on Malcolm. It was certain parts of the film. And I think when we got towards the end, I got my answer. But when I was watching it, I was like, Marie just doesn't seem happy with her life. Before we really knew her backstory, I was like, it seems like she has some type of resentment towards him that hasn't been seen yet. And I think you said it earlier, how she was talking to herself. I think in many of the words that she said to Malcolm, she was really saying it to herself. Like, you know, yes, Malcolm, you did this to me, but I also did it to myself by allowing you to do it, by not speaking up when I wanted to speak up. And I think in like my history of relationships, that's something that I've done. Like to avoid an argument or to seem like I'm not nagging too much. I'm like, oh, it's not that serious, but it is serious to me. And but what happens historically is then it's that final event the camel that breaks the straw's back. I mean, the straw that breaks the camel's back. And then it's like, boom. And I think what she kind of shed it is, I'm not going to say that you need to stress everything that bothers you, but women have to be comfortable speaking their truths in the same capacity men do. Mm-hmm. Like, I think in this one night, Marie was kind of like transitioning in her womanhood. Like, I'm not going to do this no more. I've changed my mind. I've, and like, I think she's changed, her saying that she changed her mind signified a lot of things that had changed for her. Like, I'm, right. I'm no longer playing myself small. I'm no longer, you know, making excuses as to why I can't be great. I'm forgiving right. myself of my past, realizing that my past still comes up in my present. And I was like, yeah, she's really transitioning. 
saying that she changed her mind is like people be thinking that we can't change our minds, that we have to stay like where we were. No, different things have added to the equation. And now this is not how I feel anymore. Exactly. (laughs) And I think that it also really helped me. It actually, even though there were some things that were not relatable in the relationship, it was still triggering on some past arguments and in words that were said in my previous relationships it did bring up certain things and I think that if the movie just solely focused on you didn't thank me instead of like the critics what the critics said to Malcolm what is this critic going to say I think that it will have been more of a powerful impact like more of an impact it would have made more of an impact positive impact toward relationships in general not just like a black relationship yeah um i think used it as a way to say what he wanted to say but couldn't say exactly (laughs) exactly so with with this situation it's just kind of like it really made me look at what i didn't relate and what i did relate now what i did not relate is like in my past relationship i've never been in a situation to where i've never i've never lived with a man So I've never had that, you know, we come home from somewhere and cook you some eat. Like I've never had that situation before and we lie down and go to sleep. And then you, the next day I've never lived with them before, but I've had arguments that were similar to what they were arguing about, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's just kind of like, I remember those situations (laughs) and it was this one situation that I was, you know, I thought about was when. Um, a guy that I was talking to and he came over um, and he was just like, and I just like started arguing with him. It wasn't like, Hey babe, da, 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 da. <laughs> he came over. And so he was just like, so you called me over here to argue. And I was like, yeah, I did. <laughs> yes, I did. I did. Call, I called you over here so I can argue with you. So he was just like, okay, so I'm not about to sit here. So we did argue or whatever. I said, why this, why that? I don't understand this. And he was like, you know what? I, I'm about to go. I said, do you, he was like, do you want me to leave? I said, yes. And he was walking away and I was like, no, uh, I knew it. I was, to say. <laughs> I was like, no, no. And he just looked and he just looked at me just like how Gina looked at Martin. Gina looked at Martin. I was like, okay, okay, stay. <laughs> but we worked, <laughs> we worked through it and everything, but it, it was just like, some things were relatable in the movies some things were not and you know i think that again art art it is art because art can be subjective again or this word that everyone is using monolith you're not a monolith Mm -hmm. and i think that when you look at this film you know art is subjective Mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying so i think that when people look at it in different lenses and try to step out of certain things they can kind of look at certain things to say well I did like uh this part of the movie or I did like this heard this part of the movie um could it have been better yeah could have it been more culturally aware can could Sam have been a little bit culturally um aware and trying to be you know and get a little things about it yes but yeah other than that I think And I don't know if you've been on Instagram about it lately. I think what kind of triggered me this morning and wanted to do an episode is like this conversation of like, is the movie real or is it fake? And this is what I'm going to say. At the end of the day, movies are acting. So these are not people's personal experiences. Now, it might be pieces of the writer's perspective from what they've dealt with. But at the end of the day, Zendaya and John David are acting. So this is not Zendaya's life. This is not John John David's life. So it's not a matter of real or fake because... What we see on TV, this is a film, so it's not real, it's fake. Um, but what I can say, the reason I said that it was art is because this is someone's real. This is someone's, like, and I, I really think it's art because it evoked emotion. Now, I'm not saying that everything that evokes emotion is art, but this is art because it evoked emotion, it pushed conversation, and it made us address some of, like, our beliefs associating with this topic. And that's what I believe. I think it's also beautiful because I think we have to get to the space where we stop seeing beauty as like pretty inside the lines. I think it was beautiful because it shed a light on things that like people are going through, even though it wasn't beautiful to watch, it did shed a light on things that people are experiencing. And I think the thing that makes it art is that we have to have more spaces where we talk about things like this. Do I think, like you said, that it could have been different if it was more black people at the table and more black people with a voice that mattered? Hell yeah. 
because I don't think these are things that black people say, or these are things that black people do. But I don't think it takes away from like the story that it told and how like something like this can happen in a relationship at one night. I think if you've been in a relationship, whether you're young or old, you've had experiences like this, even if it's not to the extent of where this has been, you've had these hard conversations where you don't know how you can recover or how like you're pouring your heart out and the other person just don't get it. And you're like, am I saying something wrong? <laughs> or like, are they just refusing to see it? Um, but yeah, I think it was art. I think it's still good. It's not necessarily something that I want to see multiple times, but that does not take away from what it has to offer and what it has left with me. And I think the reason that it was a good film is because like right now we're having this conversation. It wasn't like a cut and dry, like, oh, I just don't like it. Like we were able to pull parts from it that we liked. I think it's also a situation where we're able to like examine and many of us are providing feedback to Sam or people like him about what you not what you should not be doing. Now I'm not a fan of black people continually telling white people human facts that you should not do, but oh well, that's the world that we're in. Um, but yeah, I think it was a great thing. I'm not saying it was real for me, but I have been in arguments where it's kind of been the same sentiments. And I think just because it's triggering or just, just because it's not bringing you comfort of like what a love story is, you can't say that it wasn't good because it told you it wasn't a love story. <laughs> Do you think it was a love story? I think it was a love story. I think it's in the sense of these are parts of what love can and will look like for some people. I don't think it was a love story in the like Disney aspect of, oh, we're happy at the end. I think it kind of left us wondering what the end was going to be. And that's why I kind of think about August Wilson, because August Wilson don't ever give us a resolution. We always got to think about <laughs> what is going to happen next. But I right. think it does shed light on what love in a relationship looks like. Right. And love and relationships do look like discomfort at times. Love and relationships can be triggering at some times. Now, all of us, like I said before, may not get to that level, but... If you've been in a relationship with someone, most likely you have had an argument similar to this. You disagree? You agree? You disagree? I, I, I can understand. <clears throat> Excuse me. I think that I do agree on that. And I do agree on it, on the arguments. The look, the aesthetic look of in the actual filmmaker actor role is what a lot of Hollywood people like this is this now that is a real argument that that could happen with an actual filmmaker and an actor in Hollywood. Like that's what it it would look like, mm. and that's why we had to kind of say like we kind of had to say, would he still be talking like this if this actor was someone like Kiki Lane or Nicole Bahari? Mm -hmm. So just imagine if. That was Nicole Bahari. You know who she is, right? Yeah. The girl off Juneteenth, the movie Juneteenth. I just was kind of like looking like, you know, who else could this have been? But at the same time, I kind of feel like looking at it on the aspect of Sam, because it was a Sam movie. It was a Sam movie written. It was written as Sam. And I know he was trying, trying to be, you know, considerate with trying to accent it. It's just okay. It's, it's just okay. But I don't, I don't know. I just kind of feel like a lot of things were left out. And there were some things that, you know, I did like about it. A lot of things I didn't like about it. Mm -hmm. But I think that when people, people can have their feelings about a movie. But I think that at the same time, we need to be able to figure out how to be able to tell our own stories because this has happened so many times mm -hmm. as um, a Black filmmaker and someone who was able to pretty much profit off of 30 million off a 2.5 million movie made and get 30 and Netflix gives them 30 million. That would have never happened to, there are some filmmakers who are still trying to get money, who've been in the business for years. I don't even think that would have happened to Spike Lee, let alone F. Gary Gray, let alone Will Packer. Like, I just kind of feel like it has been totally different. And from that end, I just kind of feel like, where, where does it lie? Like, where does it end? Yeah, I think what you just said was like, you know, we have film writers that, you know, are 
trying like we have to be very you know we have to tell our own story i think what you said is like we do have filmmakers that want to tell their story and tell the black story and tell it correctly or more aligned to what the black viewer wants to see but i think it's as simple as we're not getting those opportunities the fact that you just said they were given 30 million for a 2.5 million movie it's just like it has everything to do you can't say that it doesn't have anything to do with race um, because it's like you have people that are needed, that are asking for way less and still not getting it. But you gave it to this man. I was, uh, I'm trying to wonder if it's because of the hype of euphoria. Like, I don't, I don't really know what played into a role for, you know, Sam to get this much money. I don't really know much about Sam outside of euphoria. So I'm just like, I don't really know like why, you know, other people aren't getting that money. And the only thing that can stand to resonate with me is just because of like, opportunity and color. Like you're not trying to give people of color the same opportunities and or equal opportunities. Cause that's a lot of money. That's, that's a lot of damn money. <laughs> so I was just trying to find this tweet. Let me see. Cause Prentice Penny, Prentice Penny girl. Prentice Penny, the one that that um, writes for Issa, Issa mm -hmm. Ray, he is just kind of like, this is straight up BS. I do have a question for you. So a lot of people were talking about like they didn't like it because it was a trauma for an hour and 40 minutes. This is what I can say. I felt like the same trauma that I saw in this film, I think it didn't stop. It started from beginning to end, but it's kind of like the same trauma I saw at the end of Queen and Slim when they got killed. It was just, I was like, oh, this is too much. I was like, it didn't have to be this graphic. I was like, it didn't have to be this graphic. <laughs> I was like, and I felt like the same feeling I felt at the end of Quentin Slim is how I felt the whole movie. And I think the problem oh. with Malcolm and Marie is like, it wasn't no breaks. And even when it was a break, you were still trying to recover. And then in your recovery process, it's like, boom, again. But yeah, I felt like at the end of Queen and Slim, I was like, what the fuck? Why did they have to make it like this? We couldn't just fade out. But yeah, that's how I felt. Wow. A lot of people looked at it like this is my emotions were like the Queen of Slim. I didn't now I didn't get that at all. When you saw the yeah. end, it wasn't throughout the yeah. whole movie. It was just the end when they got killed. Okay. It wasn't so I don't feel as though when I was watching Queen and Slim from beginning to end, it was trauma. No. I'm saying at the end when they got caught by the police and they were killed, that part of the movie stuck with me for a few days. Because I was just like really? I even, Yes. I was like, I don't even know if I want to really like this because I was like, they didn't have to kill us like that. Like <laughs> Like, I just, I, it, it bothers me. Like, even because, you know, we're in that stage where we're seeing police kill Black people on the news. We're seeing it, like, in neighborhoods. And I'm just like, it didn't have, when I saw Queen of Stone, I was like, it didn't have to be like that. And I just wonder, in the Black community, when is trauma appropriate? And, like, how much trauma are we, do we want or are we willing to see in a film? Yeah. How much trauma is appropriate? <sighs> well... I don't know. I'm trying to really look at it like, because my friend other not too long ago asked me, you know, remember that I think it was a tweet or someone was saying that what black movie was trauma or something like that. What movie traumatized you? What, what movie okay, trauma yeah. was like, well, it was something on the, on that line. And I was just like, well, a lot of people may disagree, but a lot of stuff, I look at things so differently. So I don't look at it like it's traumatizing. Mm -hmm. I said, now when it comes to, I said, because I can watch Fruitville Station again. I can, my okay. friend was like, no, I will not yes. watch Fruitville Station again. And so little things, I said, I can watch that stuff again. And I was like, now one thing, I said, now when it comes to horror, now one thing that I will not watch again is the movie It. I never watched Now that was. <laughs> When I, the first original it with the clowns now that was traumatizing but um <laughs> but I look at it that way i can watch it again like i don't mind the trauma drama movies when it comes to blacks to me because i kind of feel like especially when it comes to history that we all need that we all need to see it and if it happens it happens and let's have an honest discourse about it mm -hmm. We can have a dialogue, we can have an honest discourse, and we can actually talk about it to where we can probably get a resolution, we can probably get some solutions, and some lessons learned. But I don't see the problem with it. I think... Queen and Slim, go ahead. I was, you can go ahead. I think, so Fruitvale Station, I think I've seen it about three times. 
And it's just something that, like, when I see it come up on Netflix, like, especially during Black History Month, I don't watch. Because I was just like, it just makes me angry. Like, it, it, and it's not necessarily trauma where I'm like, oh, my God, I don't know these things are happening. It just makes me angry. Like, when I read the new Jim Crow for graduate school, like, I didn't, I, I, I was like, I should never read this while still teaching and having to interact with these white people. It's triggering. Um, and that's how I feel about Fruitvale Station. I was like, it's triggering. Seeing Quinn and Slim, I was like, oh, it's triggering for me with Black people that ain't really Black, and then triggering with white folk. Um, it's just triggering for me. But then it's also like a situation where here's another thought that I just thought about. What love story in the Black community have we really seen that did not require suffering on the woman's behalf? And that's what they were talking about, so they did make that point. Because people glamorize the photograph, and I think that shit was trash. <laughs> this girl mentioned the pro. Yes, they did mention the photograph. Oh, my goodness. Right. People liked it. Some people thought it was, like, straight up boring. Are you ready for this? I thought, I thought it was okay. I think Issa is a great producer, not even a great writer, but acting, no. I was like, it doesn't do it for me. I also didn't like the fact that she went chasing after this man as if she was in the catch. Someone, I mean, I I love Issa, so I'm not going to, I'm going to leave that alone. But at the same time, I did think about, could have been, could have it, you know, could have been someone someone else in the character, as her character. And I did think about that, but I don't think the photograph was a, a bad movie. I really didn't care too much for Sylvie's Love, but a lot of people love Sylvie's Love. You ready for this? Go ahead. I think Sylvie's Love, I did like the movie, right? I did like Sylvie's Love. I think it kind of did a good way of not saying that women had to like alter themselves or go chasing after a man. But I think it still highlighted how like she didn't want to tell Namdi that it was her child. And I was like, that's kind of yeah. child. I was like, that's kind of problematic. It was also a situation yeah. where like she had to kind of choose between her husband, family, and her career. And once she got once she got rid of him, she was able to have her career, but she still stopped her career to go from, I think, like, was it New York to go to Detroit? And I was like, she's still kind of like, you know, I, I guess it is like when you love someone, you're made you're willing to make alterations. But I was like, she still made alterations. I did like the movie. I ain't gonna lie to you. I did like Sylvie's. And Namdi is not a hard thing to look at. I was like, I see why Carrie is so centered. Um, but yeah, I like it. But I also, I was also wondering, I was going to ask you earlier, but do you think Malcolm and Marie would have been different if it was Tessa? Now, she's not a darker complexion. No, I think Tessa would have still gave me, Tessa would have still gave me, ugh, blah. Tessa would have still gave, I think, I, I wanted to see, I want to see a black woman on screen like a black i mean and a lot of people were like and, and a lot of people were saying that zendaya is not black you know but it was just like okay one drop a really. lot of people <laughs> a lot of people would say you know zendaya is not black but i not to say that she isn't from my perspective but i just kind of think that we want to see something different because it's just i really want to see um another love jones i really want to see a brown sugar i really want to see that type of 90s love romance a comedy today or what about is her name aja the one that played on how to get away get away with murder yeah she what about her no i liked her and sylvie's love what i didn't like about sylvie's love is that it it was very white it had a lot of white gaze to me I had a lot of white gaze to me. And when I say that I'm talking about, it reminded me. It was plenty of times where I was like, I, I did yawn. I think I yawned about a lot, a lot in that movie. And I think that movie was a little too long too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, did, I did yawn a lot. And um, the soundtrack, it was just the, the music. It was just, I, I, it was just, I can't. It was not, it was not keeping me a lot. The music was not keeping me. um, And it kind of reminded me of the, you know, darling, how could I? You never know. Doing this with you. Where are you going to go? No. No, darling. It it came across like uh, an affair to remember with, um, and uh, the love affair with, 
Annette Benning and Warren Bating along in the early 90s. It came across like, like that. Like, meet me on the, top, on the top of the Empire State Building. I'm going to meet you in Detroit. I do think, I was like, why isn't it no Motown music in this movie? Motown was, like, big during this time, and why don't we have none of that yet? That's what I was thinking. I did feel like it was long. I, I did enjoy it, but I was like, it is long. And I think that's what we notice in a lot with movies. I think some movies that I do like that I want more of, you don't get a lot of time. But the ones that you don't need as much time with are always long. Because like you said, yeah. I didn't need an hour and 40 minutes with Malcolm and Murray. Maybe yeah. an hour and 10. 15 with the credits. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that, I agree with that. And also, it, it Malcolm Marie gave me more of, what is that? What was that monologue with Kerry Washington that came on Netflix? American Sun. It, it gave me more of the banter. Mm-hmm. It gave me more of that. Oh, yeah, because her husband in that movie said a lot of shit. I was like, oh, no. How can you yeah. have that son? Um, yeah. Yeah, it yeah. gave me more of that as well. I just looked over some of my notes that I took when I was watching the film, and I think something that Marie said to me, and maybe it will mean something different to you since you're in the business. She said, don't believe the hype and don't push away the people that ground you. And I think that resonated with me because it was like Zendaya or Marie has been here before this. Um, and like, don't get so like big headed where like you forget the people that are going to tell you the truth or the people that are not going to be your yes man. Don't forget right. those type of people or because like, or even the hype about like, you can be hot today and be cold tomorrow. Hmm. Go back to what you wrote down the notes again. What did you say? It said, she told him, she was like, Malcolm, don't believe the hype and don't push the people away that ground you. Oh yeah, she did say that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was some lines that really, like, I was like, oh, this, this is a good line. Like, I was like, this could be a lesson put into your real life. Yeah. And that, and that's what I, she, she knew exactly how to push his buttons. Mm-hmm. She knew exactly what to push, when to push it, and how to push it. She knew that. Yeah. I felt like the relationship was, was exhausting. It, it was very <laughs> exhausting. But it kind it, he put, he deflected a lot on her like no negro you're exhausting because you have a tendency to pick the type of woman like me you see he 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 had a pattern as well when he talked about that pattern i was like nah that's not what we about to do right i was like when she said that i could share my past with you too but i know it would hurt me more than it hurt you and i think what he thought it was like she was like the best he was the best that she ever had. That's what she said. She's like, you don't ever question if I've had a better lover than you, a better communicator than you. Because that's why I, why I kept saying, I was like, oh, this is a Morehouse, I hate to say it. It's just a Morehouse man complex. And I was like, he just think he just did. Like, he don't think that it's nowhere for him to grow, like she said. Um, but yeah, I was just like, Ugh. I was like, hmm, he don't even get it. But he said a good line, too, when he was like, you don't have to be proud of everything that you do. He was like, in the beginning of your career, like, you won't be proud of everything. Sometimes you just have to do the work. Yeah, that is true. And I was like, that's true. But I, it think, was so I, I think he's fine, too. Actually, I, think, I do think that this is one of, like, the best of John Davis' work. I really do. Like, he is evolving as an actor. I think this is one of his, like, this movie is his best work to me. I think this is like show like a different side of him because like when I watch Black Clans, man, you know, all Spike Lee movies are too long. But um, <laughs> when I watched that, I was like, this ain't really doing nothing for me. I was like, I didn't like the little voice he was talking in throughout the whole movie. Then I realized that that might just be his voice. Parts of Malcolm and Marie, I did hear Denzel. I ain't gonna lie to you. Certain words he said, I was like, I hear Denzel. But when I looked at him, I saw his mother. I didn't see no Denzel. He looks just, just like, like his, his mother. mother. Yes, he does. Yeah, that's what I thought. I was like, this. I think this is going to be a, a, a role change for the both of them, but I think it was more beneficial for him than Zendaya. I think Zendaya is going to have to think about like some other adult films that she needs to do. I don't think this would be the key one that'd be like, oh, yes, she's branched off. But I do think this one is something that's going to set John David up for something else, something big. And I think he knew that because I had read an article or something. He was just saying that, you know, despite, cause they were talking about the age difference mm-hmm. and he was just like, despite the age difference, he was just like, I was learning way more from her. 
he was just like, this is something that, you know, I don't even think he said, he said, once you look at the movie, he was, he said that the age wouldn't really come up. You won't see that. He was just like, because she is mature. Mm -hmm. Um, he said she is mature and I've learned, I learned so much from her. That's what he was saying. Yeah. I think outside of the mentioning that she was 20 when they met and that she's 25 now, it didn't come up. I was like, it seems like she's mature, but like she may have had a few more experiences than him because when it told the backstory of like him being college educated, his father being a professor, mother being a therapist, I was like, oh, he might not have had to like struggle or anything like that, but they seem to be standing on equal playing grounds. It wasn't like she was like so drastically long, young that she was jaded. Um, but yeah, I also never felt like it was inappropriate due to Zendaya's real age because they're like 12 years apart. And the whole time I was watching that, that never came in with a thought in my mind. Yeah, that didn't come to in my mind either. But um, there's white men in Hollywood, Sam Levinson and other white men who date women who what they can be 50 and girls what, 20? So I, <laughs> yeah. that, that is reality. Yeah. I think like, I don't know about you, but like, I think almost in every woman's experience, you, you're going to date a man older than you. Um, I think like I dated a man that was like seven, eight years older than me. When I was in the relationship, I didn't see things. But when I got outside of the relationship, I was just like, oh, nah. Like it was a reason why he decided to talk to someone young. And I remember like older women that I knew was telling me like, oh, it has to be a reason and I didn't see it, but then I saw it. But that's not something that I saw inside the film. Um, But yeah, I think it was good. I think Zendaya really closed it out well with her, her last little monologue. But it did piss me off when he, his immediate reaction was, I love you. And I was like, fuck, we don't need to hear that. Need that's not what I want you to hear. Like, is this all that you're taking away from this conver- like conversation? We don't want to hear that. <laughs> yeah. And then, like, even, like, his little dry-ass thank you before she cut the lights off. Thank you. That. Thank you. <laughs> Shit. Thank you. Or when he was like, oh, do you want me to write you down as, like, a, a credit or something? I was like, sir, write me a check because this is my story. And I was like, is he embarrassed to say this is her story because he's dating someone like this? Or what? I was like, I couldn't figure it out. But after a whole hour, she said, why did you cast me? And that's when things changed. Yeah. I think he only sees her in one way. That's why he didn't cast her. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that was his, his trophy wife, quote unquote. Yeah. Like when she got that knife and she sat down and like she asked how she was going to act. And he was like, oh, why didn't you act like that? I was just like, well, sir, did you really let her know that you felt confident in her acting like that? But it was also something alluded to him and the actress having some type of thing going on. Oh, yes. I was like, oh, did he cheat on her? Because it's clear that she cheated on him. But did he cheat on Zendaya? Right. I don't know. I think that's what kind of makes this kind of great is because you have all these questions. And the more you talk about it, more things come to your mind and you're like, oh, I wonder what it was. I don't know. I think it's something that we can have in our mind for a while of like a piece that we was like, oh, this was really good because it pushed conversation. Yeah, it does drive conversation to bring up other conversations, different reflections, opinions. But the the last question I have is, do you think in some other universe, in a different world, or if this was part two, that Malcolm and Marie will still be together? You ready for this? Yeah. I think so. I think they're codependent on each other. They thrive off the toxic. I think they, similar to what he said, like, we'll get married and we'll divorce multiple times. I think they would still be together. Like, just based on how the characters were, like, created and shown, I think, like, this wasn't the first time they've had an argument like this. I think in many ways it's that, like, they have arguments like this, they give it a few days to calm down, and then they just go right back to who they are. But I think Marie suffers... Huh? Is, that love? is that truly love? I don't think love is suffering. I think there is times of tough growing pains, but the type of love that I want, <laughs> I don't think it has to have that, many, that much suffering because I can't believe that like the only person that would be my person would feel as comfortable with us interacting with each other the way that they do. Mm-hmm. Because like someone with my, like with my, personality yeah I like to project myself as a little tougher than what I was but I would be calling you up and be like Therese this is what he said to me or I would be embarrassed to tell you because you know friends don't forget as soon as you forget 
And I would be still grappling with the fact that like he said those things to me. Like, do is that is my drug addiction all you see me as? Right. But I do believe that if it was like a part two, they would still be together. Or he would have got tired of her and married someone exactly the opposite. And when I say opposite, maybe be white. Um, like she said, what you think? I think that um Sam said that yes and no, they will be together. They will be like, it will be on and off type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, like it will be like a Richard Burton and Elizabeth Taylor type of relationship, married, divorced, get back together, get back to married, divorce. Um, some may think that's toxic. Um, I think that <laughs> when it comes to relationships, I don't know. I just, I think that it, I think they'll have an on and off type of relationship and eventually they'll divorce. Mm -hmm. I think, I think sometimes people are intrigued by that type of stuff. Like it keeps them exciting. It keeps it fresh. It keeps it new. Yeah. And I think that's what it is. Um, I was also just thinking about when you say, I was like, oh, just imagine like if a kid got put into this story Mm -hmm. and you know what it just reminded me of? And I hate to say this because I love her dearly. You know what I'm about to say. Whitney and Bobby. Yeah. Whitney and Bobby. And Bobby. Bobby. I think the day Whitney died, she still loved Bobby. Oh, yes. I think Bobby doesn't like to admit it, but I think he loves Whitney. Mm-hmm. It's just everything that they had. Like, he just was like, oh, I need to get out. Yeah. And I'm not going to say that his relationship with his new wife is even better because I don't know. I don't have any context. But he needed to get out. But that doesn't mean that he didn't love her still. Right. Love... Love is different, has different levels of euphoria, no pun intended. But (laughs) it could be, you know, it could be crazy to where sometimes you can love a person and not like them. Mm -hmm. I like you, but I don't love you. It could be all types of feelings. But some, I mean, I personally believe that soulmates. I don't, I don't really believe in soulmates like that, but because I feel like soulmates, sometimes you're not with your soulmate. Mm. Sometimes, so sometimes soulmates are not together. You know what I'm saying? So, and sometimes it's, it's just a weird thing when it comes to that, when it comes to what love can do, what chemistry can do, what connection can do. And I think that when there's someone like a situation or a relationship like Malcolm and Marie's, it's, it's hurtful. It, it can be either, it can go one way or the other, but it's, it can come to an understanding as well and say like, you know, what's best for us is that I love you, but I don't like you. And I think it's best for me to, for mm-hmm. us to be able to go our own way. Yeah. I think, and sometimes like that, they have like, when stuff gets to that point, like you have a better friendship than you ever had a relationship. Because like when you have those type of interactions, it's no complete walking away or forgetting. Um, it may not be like y'all best friends, but it might be a situation where there's like a respect. Right. Like, you know, if it ever comes up, you'll be like, I learned, you know, I learned something from her. I loved her at that time. And this is where we are. And like, I think when I talk about Whitney and Bobby, I think that's something that hurts me sometimes about Bobby when he talks about Whitney, he doesn't ever give her those roses. Yeah. Um, he only highlights the thorns for some part. And I think it's because like society associates him with Whitney's downfall and we know that's not to be true. But he he has, I think that when it comes to that, he feels that that's what society is going to already vilify him as. So that's why he's just kind of like, y'all going to think this. Y'all have already had your opinions on it. So he kind of feel like I'm not going to sit here and say all this stuff because whatever I say, y'all already going to have your opinions on it. So I think that he's that's where he's at right now. And one, another thing too, have you seen the marriage story? The one I got all the awards like two years ago? No. With um, Scarlett Johansson? It was on Netflix, I think. It was kind of like that. And it kind of made me think that, are you a better, would you be a better, it was really good. Um, would you be a better father or a husband? So when you talked about if it was a kid in the situation with Malcolm and Marie, would would Malcolm have been a better father and a horrible husband? <laughs> better husband or a horrible father? You ready for this? I think Malcolm would have been a better father 
than about her husband. Um, yeah. The reason being is because of, like, that's his lineage. He's trying to, like, mold him into what he thinks a man is. And it's, but I think the participation in the role that he plays as a father still will have an impact on the child in the future because, like, it could be a conflict between, like, who he, who the child wants to be and who Malcolm pushed him to be. And this might be a little controversial. When you see John David talk about Denzel and I think the mother's name is Pauletta, right? He always gives more credit to the mother. And I think that's a dynamic that could be even um, looked at in a lens of like how something like this can go. Not saying that this is Pauletta and Denzel's relationship, but a situation how a kid is added into a situation and how their perception of things allows them to cling to one parent more than the other. So. John, um, Marie, Malcolm could have been a good father, but the child could have still claimed to Marie a little more. Or you know what I mean? It could have been both ways, but like just based on the character, I think Malcolm would have been a, a, a present father, a good father, like, you know, an active father. And I think Marie either could have been like if they were separated, mature enough to see that he's a good father or really struggled how, if they were together, struggled to understand how Malcolm would be all this to the son, but not to her. It can fall out several ways. Um, but yeah, I think he would be a good father. But I think the thing about love, and sometimes I think about like, you know, love in the sense of like parents and what you see, I think there is a lot of sacrifices that go into love. There's a lot of like yeses and no's. Like, am I willing to take this yes and not that and a no to this? And like, what are you willing to take? Like, what are you willing to deal with? And I think my father told me, he was like, when you're in a relationship, you always have to have one person that loves the other more or one person that is able to back down more than the other person. And he was like, it's not always a matter of like one person being bigger, but it has to be someone that is willing to lessen themselves to sustain the relationship. Or there's someone that has to always reach out a little more or love a little deeper to like keep it together. And I think, I think especially in this world that we're in now, we're seeing like different sides of love and we're trying to like highlight how we're not our parents or we're not older people um, and how we might, we don't have to suffer for love and love doesn't mean suffering. But I think in efforts to do that, we're still showing new signs of trauma and new signs of suffering. It may not look the same as like your husband cheating on you and you at home raising three kids by yourself, but it could look different as like, you know, you're struggling to find your own identity or like your husband doesn't see you as a person. It could be like that. But I think, you know, suffering and trauma, I don't want to say, you know, it's one in line with love, but love comes with those things. And we can't eliminate those things because it's not what we want to believe what love is, if that makes sense. Yeah. 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 (laughs) So I want to thank you for coming on this episode. I think it was a good conversation. I think more conversations can come from this. More conversations are going to come as, like, people share more insight. Um... But as always, I think it's great if like we're all willing to have conversations, hear each other, learn from each other, even if it's not what we want to hear. Um, and I think although this film is not all that we desire to be, it has created spaces for these type of conversations to take place. It has. And thank you. Thank you, Therese. All right, you guys, we're heading out.